Today's program is brought to you by the Cheese Cupid Wine and Cheese Pairing app. For more information, visit CheeseCupid.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Your weekly journey through all things fermented. <laughs> My name is Chris Kuzmi and I am here joined with Rachel Jacobs, our co-producer on the show, standing in place for Mary Isette, who is down enjoying her time in, in Florida. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Chris. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for all the work that you do with Ferment About It. You've been amazing and we're excited to hear your voice uh, uh, more prominently during this episode. I'm Super excited. I'm excited. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> um, I'm very jealous of Mary right now. She's actually on a work trip. I'm not jealous of her. Actually, I'm really happy to be. I'm, there's nowhere I'd rather be than right here in the studio with, with our guests today and with you, Rachel. But I must say that my living situation is kind of crazy, and uh, I am out. I don't have any heat. And I attempted to uh, – Mary and I started some ferments recently, and I'm, I'm kind of curious whether they're actually going to uh, to take on. But before we go – too far into that and talk to our today's guest about some of my concerns in that area. Let's talk about upcoming events. Yeah. Well, do you have any announcements for us, uh, Kuzma? Oh, do I? Boy, do I. <laughs> well, New York City Beer Week is coming up. We're very excited about that. This is uh, the eighth year running, um, and it is insane. There's so many events I did uh, that, that are going on. We're just going to talk right now about the homebrew events that are going on. Uh, those are... Winter's Grind at Arrogant Swine. We're going to do them last first, or second to last first. Winter's Grind at Arrogant Swine on Saturday, February 27th, 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, basically, we'll have uh, uh, 10 home brews and 15 pro brews, and Sausages Galore. It is a sausage and beer fest, aptly named and delicious. A lot of creativity is happening there. Um, please go to joshuaandbernstein.com uh, to find uh, tickets and more information. And uh, Mary puts a note in here. She says, we can mention that she made a blueberry pancake short mead and a brown sugar banana oatmeal brew to pour at this one, which she did over the weekend. And we were super excited about that. She called me very excited about that and and making it. It's like beer for breakfast. Beer for breakfast. Beer is not just a breakfast drink, Rachel. If there's anything I know, it's not just for breakfast. Uh, Ignite Brooklyn is the uh, the last day of beer week on February 28th. Uh, it's a beer community celebration. It's it features uh, home brews and, or home brewers and pro brewers, but all the pro brewers have come from a New York City homebrew club. So this is going to be a really fun event put on by our friend Chris Prout at Greenpoint Beer Nail, uh, formerly known as Dirk the Norseman. It's February twenty eighth. There's a Facebook event about that, but I actually don't know where to find more information on that. Um, I guess just uh, if you. Google Ignite Brooklyn on Facebook. Uh, or, or Check Facebook. the Greenpoint Beer and Ale uh, website. That, hey, that's a good idea. See? <laughs> and uh, also, Brewpiphany. Brewpiphany Revelations. Uh, last month, we gave out a bunch of work from Kelso Brooklyn, uh, Kelso Beer Company. And uh, it's basically our, our IPA worked. It is a 90% Golden Promise, 5% Karastan, and 5% Aromatic Malt. Um, to about 10, an original gravity of 1060. And we gave 
home brewer is the option of taking it pre-boil and post-boil. So you've got unhopped wort or post-hopped wort. Um, post-boiled and hopped wort, all you have to do is bring it home and throw yeast on it. Or if you've got it pre-boil, you could, you know, take it and adulterate it however you want. And so we have 52 at least different brewers coming back for for this event. It's going to be really fun, really awesome on Eventbrite. It's called uh, Night of Brewpiphany or Brewpiphany Revelations. If you go to the New York City Beer Week um, website, nycbeerweek.com, you can find out more information of that and all of the events that are happening uh, throughout New York City Beer Week, which is really, really intense, a lot of it. And there's also a New York City Beer Week app, NYC Beer Week. Uh, if you go to to uh, your local app store, find that and find out all the information. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, Kuzma, I heard you did a lot of ferments over the weekend, over this long <laughs> weekend. Uh, what are some of those things that you've got uh, fermenting up in your uh, freezing cold apartment. <laughs> well, I hope my whole, exactly. It's freezing cold. The, the gas went off. We live in an, uh, an old industrial loft, and apparently, it's illegal for us to be using these uh, these great big industrial heaters. So they turn the gas off on Thursday, and we're like, "Oh my god, we have all this produce." We we actually belong to a, a club called Quincipool, and we get veg, fresh vegetables every week, and and we can't cook them right now. And you could eat a lot of raw vegetables. But we decided to to just. Uh, start pickling and getting it getting it done so we did some sliced dill pickles we got some really nice cucumbers that we did did about a two and a half percent brine for for a two percent brine for the pickles i think and then uh, we had beets and turnips we did we did a two and a half percent for the beets and turnips uh with uh with star anise and cinnamon and then we this was my favorite one that i'm excited about we had this crazy winter salad rainbow mix that had a lot of cabbage and, and carrot scale watermelon radishes purple radish radishes and we decided to uh, pickle that and make a kind of a slaw and we had some white cambodian cambodian peppers cambodian white peppers from a trip we took two years ago so there's they're, they're kind of old but they're pretty pretty dope and so we pickled them with some coriander and these white cambodian peppers but I was just looking at the airlocks, and they, they of course, weren't uh, going too crazy in there yet. But our temperature, in our ambient temperature in our house is, like, 51 degrees area. So you know, I'm ho- hoping it will come up. So <laughs> Let's all hope it comes up outside as well as inside. That's right. That's right. Well, but because of the weather, it's kind of appropriate to have our uh, guest on today, uh, Cheryl Passwater. Cheryl Passwater. Who's going to tell us about some uh, winter ferments when it's cold outside <laughs> uh, ferment, yeast and bacteria generally likes warm weather but you can still do some fermentations um when it's cold out you want to tell us about that yeah let's, <laughs> let's talk about some cozy winter ferments you know you may remember cheryl passwater from yeah, a previous uh, yeah. contraband ferments was the episode i forget the number mm-hmm. of the episode this is episode 151 115 115 Ooh, 151 Ooh. and 115 you Shut love up. those numbers you love 115s one, one I, i'm liking this one five yeah ones. it was all like dosa and fermented cookies that's right and oh, that's right. yeah fermented i had to go cookies. back and listen to it to try to make sure i didn't do too much overlap because i realized a year ago i was on during beer week uh, so it's really? been like, this is one of my year, like one of my year anniversary. Your annual beer week, uh, pre beer week guest. Uh, Fermen about it. Fermen about it. Fermen about it. So Cheryl Passwater, yes. who are you again, real quick? Just a quick recap, without mm-hmm. without too much overlap. Um, yeah, my name is Cheryl Passwater. I'm a certified fermentationist and gut ecologist. I run a project called Contraband Ferments. Um, we run a fermentation CSA that's on a temporary break right now. Um, do blog posts, a lot of stuff on the human microbiome, um, and all things do-it-yourself fermentation and preservation. Um, an artist, a performer, a beekeeper, a slew of other things. Former beekeeper? 
No, I am a beekeeper. You are a beekeeper. Yeah. Oh, where do you keep your bees? In Brooklyn. In between A and C. <laughs> hey, or A and A if you're an ABBA fan, I guess. So <laughs> I got a question for you. Yes. This is a kind of a tangential thing. So I started NYC Mead Week. Um, do you make mead? I, with the honey? I do make mead with the honey. That's really exciting. We'll yeah, talk that's kind more. of my whole, point, my whole purpose in getting to beekeeping. That's exciting. Well, partially. Yeah. I did um, a nice uh, tart cherry and sage mead this summer that I was pretty proud of. But I'm not into, I mean, I am a newer, I wouldn't say I'm an advanced mead maker. Like, Mary. Yeah, you know, I'm not like speed brewing <laughs> well, and like going like okay, all. Well, I will argue that that you know, uh, I mean, Mary certainly can make some some hardcore meads, but the truth is that we've never made a mead that was not a short mead. We've never gone, we've never gone full Monty and made oh. a full strength mead. So uh, right. the jury's still out on whether Mary is an expert mead maker. I say I'm this is a say, challenge. I'm Do you gonna... hear me, Mary? Is that this is a challenge to you? I defer to you, Mary. <laughs> I defer to you on on the mead making. Well, okay, so, okay. but... Winter. Winter. Winter ferments, that's what we're talking about. And so, by, by, for meads, I like stronger meads in winter and shorter meads in, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Except for, except for of course, what's going to happen at Winter's Grind on February 27th. JoshuaandBernstein.com. <laughs> that was a great plug. Thanks, hey. plug in the middle of you. Hey. I'm, I'm here for at least another half hour. So, <laughs> so Cheryl, tell us, um, you're kind of the queen of home fermentations. You've fermented all sorts of amazing things that like people wouldn't even think about as a fermentation dish like you said last time mm-hmm. you talked about fermented uh, fermented cookies um so how did you quit quickly how did you get into fermentation in the first place um i got into fermentation it was kind of a kind of a double sided thing um i was already sort of interested in it i was getting interested in fermented veggies and kefir and just some basic fermentate ferments and um, you know, kind of at the same time was going on kind of a big healing journey. And so fermentation kind of made sense. And, you know, one day I just kind of had this epiphany where I was like, everybody in the world is eating these foods but us, yet we're the sickest. And something really resonated with uh, with that for myself. So I, yeah, I got into fermenting. I had a friend give me a SCOBY. I started with kombucha. Next thing I knew, I was just sort of addicted you know just totally um and you know i think it's just the creativity of it i think for me especially as an artist really um was something that was really interesting to me and yeah i started fermenting and then fermenting too much and giving to friends and then next thing i knew i was selling to friends and next thing i knew i was starting a fermentation csa and putting my way through school and just doing yeah so i just kind of started taking all that money and yeah. <laughs> when you're fermenting a whole lot, did you find yourself fermenting seasonally and doing different things? And, and what was that based on and where are we now? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of just seasonal eating in general. Um, so eating with the seasons, fermenting with the seasons um, as much as possible. So um, I definitely try to kind of uh, stick with those, you know, kind of what the earth is giving us. I mean, and that's one of the beautiful things about fermentation. It's preservation. It's to get us through these wintry months. So... You know, I have stuff that I fermented in the summer and the fall that I'm still eating right now. And, you know, and then I have stuff I'm making now for whenever. Yeah. So tell us about some of the things that you are making now in the yeah. cold weather now <laughs> that it's uh, snowing outside oh, right now. It's snowing. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, there's so much winter root vegetables. Like there's still a lot of like winter CSAs running, you know, where it's like you're getting lots of beets and radishes Sweet and turnips beets. and parsnips and. You know, there's a lot of you know ways that you can 
ferment those things, you know, from, you know, making a saltwater brine to turning them into more of like a kraut, um, you know, doing nuka, uh, which was another way, fermenting in rice bran. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of really interesting ways to, you know, utilize, you know, these vegetables that I think what's interesting about them is they're, they're these root vegetables that are meant to kind of sit in cold, dark places and last longer than the average vegetable. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, it's just like, I feel like that's just nature lining up with, um, you know, what fermentation kind of is. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways you can go about it. You know, fennel, there's like so many good kind of winter. Can we dive into a, a technique right now? So mm-hmm. you just, you just spanned a couple different kinds of ferments from around the world, actually. <laughs> so, which was, which was totally fun in like just a couple of sentences. Uh, Nuka. Nuka bed. Explain to us what a nuka bed is and what happens there and how, how maybe, uh, you know, that is similar to. Yeah. Um, so nuka is just, it's a way of making basically a Japanese pickle. You, um, you take a jar, a crock, a, you know, some kind of vessel, and you basically fill it with rice bran and salt. Um, I think sometimes people actually add beer or like other um, things to it. And then you just take you know, vegetable, more heartier vegetables, or scraps even, like kale stems, turnips, radishes, whatever you want. You basically just kind of dig a hole, bury them in the rice bran. You let them ferment for about 24 hours, and you kind of dig them out and scrape the rice bran off, and you can eat them. They're amazing. Can you continue to use that rice bran, or do you... And how do you feed it, if not? Like, this is basically a culture, like, there's, there's... Mm-hmm. You know, the lacto starts in the, in the rice bran. It stays in the rice bran. And as the, the rice bran gets stronger, can that 24 hours become less based on uh, how, how strong it is? Uh, you know, it's, it's like a sourdough starter. It's like a dry-ish bran sourdough starter, right? Yeah, you right? could just kind of keep reusing it. I mean, I'm sure the strength level probably gets stronger. I mean, when I've done nuka, I just kind of keep doing it around the same amount of time and, you know, do enjoying you, it that way. And you do you re- reuse the bed? Um, yeah, I've been reusing, reusing the bed. So I think most people traditionally do. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fun. <laughs> I <laughs> actually, I asked cause I, I, and have you ever, okay, here's a question. Cause I have, I started a nuka bed yeah. and I did one pickling with it, but I those are still in there and I haven't taken them out and it needs to, you know, I, it's oh, been, it's in out. the refrigerator and it's been a decent amount of time as in like four months. So should have brought those uh, for us to eat. Can right I, now. can I get, can I get the nuka bed up? Is it, do you think it's safe? Do you think it's a, where, where are we with it? I don't think, I don't think it would be bad. I mean, in my logical mind, I'm like, it's rice, it's rice bran, it's salt. It's been in a refrigerator. Which is like slowed down the fermentation process, and there's no there's no mold, so I'm happy yeah. about that. As long as I can take a pH reading, as long as the pH is low, then we're probably in a preserved sort of. Uh, yeah, as long as there's no red or black, kind of that's my general stage. rule. Red and jack, black, red and black equals dead, and then everything else just scrape it off. It's probably fine. <laughs> I like that general rule. <laughs> red and black is dead, like spiders. What are some of your favorite things to do with winter vegetables, like dilly? Dilly beans, butternut squash. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, winter vegetables. Um, I'm really a big fan of, like, uh, kvass, which I kind of do year-round. But, um, you know, in the winter, it's like I like to make kvass, and then I'll make borscht, you know, as, like, a kind of secondary, you know, option. I really try to utilize um, and incorporate things. Um, you know, and I feel like even this time of year, cabbage is still really not too bad. It's winter storage cabbage, but it's still pretty fresh. 
So I still kind of will grab cabbages from the farmer's market, you know, through January, sure. early February. And What is your kvass method? Um, I mean, basically just chopping up beets. Um, I create a, you know, saltwater brine solution. Um, I actually add a little bit of sauerkraut or pickle brine. Um, more traditionally, when you, know, when you make beet kvass or other kvass, you would add bread. Um, I actually don't use that method. Um, and yeah, I usually just add a little bit of brine. I've even used water kefir to kind of like boost it up. I've even done it with rejuvelac. Um, so with your brine, what percentage brine? Just regular pickle, pickle brine of 2% or yeah, 2, 2.5%? I probably lean more towards 4. Okay. Um, I go kind of higher. Um, and also because I like to reutilize also the beets. So I try to really use everything so you know three to four i usually tend to go a little bit saltier i like my stuff like that though and it's a little crunchier that way too mm-hmm. and then um yeah obviously i basically just let it ferment i'll add you know cinnamon sticks or star anise i'll add um you know tangerine skins or grapefruit skins peels all kinds of stuff um i like to play with the flavor um i did one recently where i um, added some bay leaf um, yeah, I've been doing yeah just different experiments with it. I love it. We're going to take a really quick break. Thank you for listening to Ferment About It, episode 151 with Cheryl Passwater. And today's program is proudly brought to you by the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid app. Play matchmaker with the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid app. A tap here, a tap there. With the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid app, you can quickly discover perfect cheese and drink pairings from the convenience of your own palm. For more information, visit cheesecupid.com. Welcome back to episode 151 of Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are here in the studio with our good friend Cheryl Passwater of Contraband Ferments. And uh, you, are you doing a PhD thing going on coming right now? Um, there is a PhD option on the table. Surprise, Mom and Dad. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, that was, sorry. Hey, all right. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a... There's talks. I'm waiting on a financial package. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's we'll see what happens. Lots of things on it, the table. It, in the meantime, let's get through this winter by eating and making a bunch of great winter ferments. Now, um, aside from vegetables, there's also other kinds of ferments that you make. Um, especially, I'm very interested in uh, the natto um, and some <laughs> grain ferments. Um, you want to tell us about that? Especially, we just talked uh, to Nancy Singleton Hachisu about uh, her making natto and about how it's really hard to find some in America, so it'd be definitely interesting to hear about yours. And full disclosure, I am not a natto fan, and, uh, uh, but I haven't had very much natto. So what is natto, and how much do, do the flavors vary in natto? Like, perhaps I haven't met the right one. Yeah. Um, well, number one, Nancy, awesome, took a class with her a few, a few months ago. Very fascinating. Um, yeah, you know, natto is just, it's basically fermented beans. Um, I like to call it snotto. Yeah. Um, and actually, <laughs> you and I, internet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I actually don't particularly enjoy eating it, and a lot of people don't. 
Um, you know, and I think especially in fermentation, you know, we think about the stinkiness or the smell of you know our ferments oh, and yeah. like as part of our gauge if they're good or not. But natto does not fall into this category. <laughs> natto is usually always good, it's even just if it's terrible. Smells <laughs> like garbage like it's just hmm. it or butt i can't like it just smells garbage bad. or butt, butt. see yeah. garbage butt like it's just yeah. bad <laughs> um, garbage pale kids. yeah um so yeah just it basically all it is is um you know traditionally in japanese food um you would make natto with soybeans but um you can actually make natto with any kind of bean and actually it's the same thing with tempeh it's the same thing with miso you can use all kinds of beans suzuki beans black beans chickpeas um, and other things, and then you use um, you basically use the mold spore um, Bacillus um, subtilis, and you basically you soak and cook beans. You cool them down. You add the bacteria to it, and then you mix it up. And then um, how I was taught to do it, and how I do it is I just get um, like um, those like metal takeout containers with like. You know, this like kind of hard, like cardboardy lid. Yeah. And I just pour it all in there. And then you kind of have to like create like almost like incubated almost in a way, like with its own sort of leftover heat, I guess. And then, yeah, I just put a lid on it and you just let it sit for like 24 hours. And when you like peel it open, it's like not only is it crazy stinky, it's just like stringy, (laughs) snotty covered you know it doesn't look like something you want to eat it's so grody coming you know and you're like and you know but you they they you know they they say that you only need to eat like two to three like pe- like beans of like natto a day to get like to get the, the, to get the, the benefits the probiotic benefits well from- and it's not just the probiotics it's like iron folic acid and like a crazy amount of b vitamins hmm. like they suggested like i think and actually in japan don't quote well, don't quote me, but I think it's actually they like f- suggest it for pregnant women as like an actual, like mm. like almost as like a, like a prenatal vitamin sort of scenario. Huh. And um, I mean, it's really easy to make, and it's such a fast ferment, and you don't really have to worry about weather. You, with you it. make it, but you don't <laughs> like it though. It's. <laughs> It's growing on me slowly. Is it like a personal challenge? It sounds it's like it's a personal it's challenge. Right. No, it's a personal challenge. I mean, I always feel great after I eat it, like the next day. I always feel very energized. I sleep really well. And it's like, but it's, yeah, it's a little crazy. I mean, the best, pl- I did have a natto dish um, in Japanese brasserie um, on Hudson in Manhattan. Um, and they do like a natto, like lettuce wrap kind of appetizer. And I had that, and that was actually pretty good. That was, I think, the most natto I've ever consumed mm-hmm. in a sitting. Oh, okay. We've actually been looking for a place to try not to. Well, I've been looking for a place to try natto in America. Yeah, right. But maybe I'll try that. It's, I feel like if natto is in something, or I can like have another it with another vessel. Sure, as a compliment to to another thing that kind of yeah maybe it kind of masks the taste is. a little bit. It's just yeah, it's the taste, but it's like the smell affects your taste. Like it is. Sorry, I don't no, want to turn true. anybody off from any natto. Not as awesome. You should try it. I think it's worth a try. Worth a try, everybody. and I will Challenge continue yourself. to try. I mean, I keep trying it. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall in love with you at some point. Then, then there's grain ferments that that you're mm-hmm. into currently as well, mm-hmm. and that's what Dosa's yeah. grain ferment, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Dosa's a grain ferment. Yeah, and Jira. I mean, that's, I think the nice thing about grains and beans is, again, I think it's one of those things that they're great meant to get us through the winter seasons. 
Um, so there's a lot of fermenting. Um, I made some OG the other day. Or OG. OG. What is that? Um, it's fermented OG I. OGI. Um, and it's basically just millets that you basically pulverize, like kind of coarsely grind. You soak it and you kind of to let it ferment and then you just cook it like a porridge. It's, um, I think it's Ethiopian. Um, yeah. And so you can do it, you know, but you can also do it with oats and, you know, other things. And it's kind of like, you can just take your grains, soak them, you know, cook them. And then you have this like pre-digested tangy, yummy porridge. Who wants plain oatmeal when you can just? How far can it go before like oh well is it or is it just is it just your red and black rule? Um, you know like what I did you forget? Like what did you forget about? It? Okay. I think probably a week. You know in the in the OG 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 OG. I'm not really sure which way to say that. Um, kind of realm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we'll find out. So you just let it ferment in the air. Yeah, yeah. Just I kind of cover it. Throw it, it in like a bowl. A, yeah. yeah, throw a towel over it. Or just let like it hang have out. at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know um, Sander Katz, he, uh, he'll he make like a jar of it for like a week and then like he'll eat, like just spoon some out every day, like throws it in the fridge and then every day he just like kind of dumps it over, heats it up and yeah, boom, breakfast. Wow. Everybody's got, their, coming from a beer background, there's, you know, we are overly. Not overly. We are extremely concerned with, with being able to control our fermentation through through proper sanitary practices. How much are you concerned with that? And does it vary ferment for for the kind of ferment that you're doing, perhaps? No, I don't care about any of that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, um, yeah, no. you know, and I, you know, it's kind of funny because I've gone through periods where I've like, all right, do I want to ascribe to these more like kind of methods of like these more intense like sanitation things and I mean I think my biggest thing is like alright if you're washing vessel you know stuff you're going to be fermenting with like making sure there's not soap suds because that'll mess up your ferment um, you know making sure things aren't like cracked or broken or you know like if you have a crock that this you know enamel's not cracked that kind of stuff but um you know I've never yeah I've never really ascribed to that I really um, I mean I feel like good bacteria is going to crowd out pretty much anything bad anyway yeah, I don't like I don't scrub my vegetables to death. I'm like, if there's a little dirt on there, great. Like, it increases what we're growing bacteria. You know, this kind of bacterial foundation um, and this diversity. And so, um, yeah, I'm not too. I mean, I'm careful. Like, I'm aware, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't test my pH on stuff really. Right. Every once in a while, <laughs> just to get like an idea of ballpark. Um, I mean, I really I go by a lot by instinct and like not just basic looking at it smelling it tasting it and i mean i feel like most of my ferments have always been pretty accurate Mm -hmm. just based on my like that instinct so i just i kind of go with my intuition mostly (laughs) (laughs) well you have that csa so if you haven't had any problems you're probably okay i have no no problems (laughs) and the csa is a month to month or was on a month to month thing so you'd ferment things and the typical ferment would be roughly a month old? Um, yeah, it was two to three ferments a month, actually. And people would sign up for three months at a time. So it was a once a month pickup. And, um, you know, I always try to have, like, a big diversity of ferments from something more common to something maybe a little bit different, something always, like, a little obscure. Like, I did um, SCOBY jerky. Um, yeah. <laughs> of the SCOBY? Yeah, I took SCOBYs and marinated them, cut them up. 
marinate it. Like, so I cut them up, like marinated them, and then right? yeah, and then I threw them in a dehydrator and de- dehydrated them until they were like jerky. I did fermented cookies. Um, oh. I, what is a fermented cookie? Oh. I mean, how do you do? What, what, yeah. what was your method for making fermented cookies? Um, I actually use fermented teff, so I do a similar process, I think, to that of making injera. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a reverse cookie, I guess. It's really wet, and then you have to kind of take out all the wetness and get all this dryness, you know, added into it. And um, and how do you do that? A combination of things. Um, I started these cookies based on somebody I was doing some work for whose son has autism. I was kind of trying to think of something that he could have, like a lot of food intolerances. And so um, I started like sprouting and then dehydrating pumpkin seeds and then turning them into my own flour um, because he couldn't have nuts and he couldn't have all these other things. And so I would ferment all the teff, you know, soak a sprout, pumpkin seeds, dehydrate. It was like this, it's a big elaborate, um, you know, thing. It's all sweetened with like dates and raisins. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a lot of like purees and then like getting the dryness out using like flax meal and... Like I said, my own pumpkin flour and letting it soak it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and it turns out great. I mean, they really like the texture is pretty good. They have like a little bit of tang to them. Yeah, they're nice. I mean, anybody I've ever made the cookies for has always been very, very happy with the cookies. You didn't bring us any. I didn't bring you guys any cookies. I'm That's sorry. That's why they're so sad. <laughs> I know. It's not just Mary enjoying herself in Florida <laughs> and being jealous that she's got the heat. You, I made some. I made fermented <laughs> cookies for our Christmas party for the New York City Ferments Meetup Group, and um, that I helped co-organize. And I had a bunch. Of, I had tons of leftover cookies. My friend Aaron um, was like, "I'm taking the cookies." And then I got like a text the next night that said, "I had cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner." Well, they're good for you, right? They're fermented. Yeah, I mean, they're all good stuff. I was like, wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of cookies. I was like, good on you. Yeah, like, nice. Well, good on you for making those cookies, apparently. Thanks. All right, I'll bring cookies next time. Yay. I have a quick question. How do you have time to make all of this? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question that everybody has. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've just always kind of been um, a compulsive maker. So... I think for me as a person, it's like I'm always I'm always happiest making and experimenting and exploring and kind of adventuring. And I just I think for me, fermenting and cooking is that, um, you know. So and yeah, you know, and as an artist, in the same way. Um, I mean, I just make time to do it. I book time in my schedule to ferment. Um, you know, I sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I ferment. And not all the ferments that you do require a whole lot of time to set up, right? No, not necessarily. And, you know, I've had to come up with ways to do things quickly and in small apartments that are temperate all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, having roommates um, has always made it interesting. Um, And I've always been very fortunate um, that my roommates have let me pull off some of the things that I have done. You know, like a giant fermentation station in my living room. Yeah. Um, Rachel, I'm impressed, Rachel, Rachel's seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed, actually. Um, when I was asking my roommates if I can make kefir, they're like, as long as it doesn't smell or attract bugs. Yeah, and I've, I've had that like at different points, but no, I've always been, I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, my last, my co- last couple like rounds of roommates <laughs> have always been. <laughs> yeah, that's what our yeah. that's <laughs> what neighborhoods are just like in general. <laughs> Um, have always been very generous um, with that. And, I mean, everything I feel like is kind of systematic and methodical um, in some ways. And everything is stashed everywhere. I have miso under my bed. 
which is pretty <laughs> doesn't rad. Doesn't everyone? Yeah, doesn't everybody have me so under their bed? Come on. Do you have any, any ferments that you're really excited about right now that are coming up or in the pipeline? Or any new ideas? Um, I've been working on a pistachio miso, which I'm pretty what? excited about. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think I've almost nailed. Um, I am working on a... <laughs> I've been working on this fried chicken recipe, and then I had this idea to ferment garbanzo bean flour and using that as the base oh, wow. for the fried chicken Ooh. so soaking it in buttermilk which is cultured rolling it in fermented garbanzo bean flour or coating it somehow and then I want to make it's like a spin on chicken and waffles do like a dosa almost base waffle batter gosh that's sad <laughs> you have piqued my interest and left me wanting for more yeah and then but. I want to do like a lavender blueberry kind <laughs> of spicy smoked chicken. sauce dipping sauce so I think it's yeah. going to be like a yeah. Oh my god. Man, it's a I feast. Can't wait for episode 155 <laughs> or 501 515. 515. 515. That's a lot that of episodes from now. 511, 511. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes from now. So you better have that recipe down. <laughs> <laughs> Fried chicken and, and, uh, and, and doses uh, and cookies and doses. You that's guys. right. Oh my god. You wouldn't object. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I will not. I yeah. will not. Um yeah, I am so excited about your ferments. I really want to know about how that works. Oh, wait. We just talked about miso for a second. So yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us about miso and how you make miso. Especially pistachio. Um, we did miso. do a miso uh, episode a while back, but mm-hmm. uh, refresh your memory on, on what what that is or what it is to make miso and how you would use it and how will you use your, your pistachio miso. Yeah. Um, I mean, miso basically is beans and koji, uh, which is mold-infused rice. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, you can make you can make miso with most beans. I feel like that's you know it's like traditionally again we look at like the Japanese way of fermenting, which is soybeans, but you can do it with other beans. Um, my friend Aaron and I did a big miso making extravaganza in December, and um, yeah, we did a zuki bean miso, black bean miso, we did a chickpea miso, we did a leek leek and kelp. You know, mix so, and, so what is miso? What do you do with? I mean, do you eat miso straight alone? Do you do? You could what eat do you it use? It's miso soup, which is okay. the most traditional thing. Um, my friend Zach actually did a miso butter recently. That was um, amazing, and I think he actually used sunflower seeds. It was great. Um, you know, you can I spread it on toast sometimes. Right. So it's a flavoring agent. Yeah. Like it's a flavor thing. It's not. It's not like a, a meal. You don't have a miso meal. Yeah, you, it would you, be great. You substitute miso for bouillon for, for a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. I've had it. Trying um, to get to that on salmon as like a marinade. See. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can use it. I mean, it's for anything. I mean, it's like you have such an amazing flavor. And it stores really well. You can keep. You make a jar mm-hmm. of miso, and it'll last you a really yeah. long time. And you can ferment Depending it forever. On how much you're cooking stuff with miso, you just <laughs> put it in a jar, shove it under your bed in Brooklyn, and right. let it sit there for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, you're like yeah, one you day go. when you're just like, "Hey, great! It's been five years." You like whip it out, and you're like, "Great! I'll just scrape off the crazy stuff on top." And mm, there you go. <laughs> well, well, a lot of your ferments uh, involve kind of starter cultures is there anywhere we can get some of these <laughs> um no not all my ferments have starter cultures but some do i mean you know it's just some that's how fermentation is um i mean there's always you know cultures for health and gem cultures and you know kind of more reputable places that you can order you know cultures from um you know getting them from i think friends people who are already fermenting is a great way to do it mm-hmm. also I wouldn't recommend necessarily ordering them like on Amazon and stuff. I've a lot of people have gotten like dud starter cultures that way. Um, 
that I've heard of. So, um, yeah, I usually say, like, you know, or find people, like, find a fermentation group, like a meetup group or, Mm -hmm. you know, other things. You can always find people to, like, trade ferments with. Um, yeah, we did a trade yeah, recently. Trade. Rachel and I did a, a swap. And I, now, like, eight or nine more people have that same kefir culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got you. cider, you got kefir. It's like, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I think it's a great way to do it. And, yeah, I've had somebody recently, they're like, I've, um, I was gifted a part of a 92-year-old Alaskan sourdough starter uh, from Tara Wissett, who runs Fermentation on Wheels, that she got from, like, some woman in Alaska. And... Um, I mean, she gave me some of that culture, like, forever ago, and then I gave some to, like, my friend Ken, my friend Robin, and all these other people, and then it just kind of kept multiplying, and then somebody else recently, like, last week came to me, like, hey, I got some of your starter from da-da-da via da-da-da via, I was like, this is like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but fermentation, (laughs) sourdough starter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it's going to be that way with the 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 kefir kefir culture, oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Uh, Let's give some shout-outs to your ghost bloggers. Yeah. Oh yeah! Shout outs to the ghost bloggers. Um, yeah, so we've been um, this year for contraband ferments. Um, we yeah, we have a DIY blog, and you know the it seems like we're getting quite a lot of following on now. Um, but we're having a lot of guest bloggers this year, so um, yeah, I really wanted to kind of diversify. You know what we're having people write on from ferments to keep my microbiome to you know, gut issues and, like, other things that fermentation really falls into. Um, so we have a blog post coming going up tomorrow, I think it's going to be tomorrow or Wednesday, um, by Robbie Prey, who runs Whole Body Robbie. Whole Body Robbie. Whole Body Gosh, Robbie. That's hard to say. And um, she actually, um, we w- actually did fermentation school together, and she's um, also a nutritional therapist, and she specializes in um, the GAPS diet, which is a gut autoimmune protocol. So she just wrote a big thing on, like, the human microbiome, fermentation, like the GAPS diet. That's going up. Um, last Friday, we had one come out by Cynthia Ferris, um, who's starting a canine sauerkraut company in Colorado. Um, so all about... You know, sauerkraut, sauerkraut for your dogs. pups. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which wow. we've tested out on my friend's dog, Layla, and she loves sauerkraut. And um, what else we have? Um, Dennis Hooper's going to be writing something soon. Um, Aaron Cram's writing something soon on the human microbiome. Um, Megan Hintz, who runs Herbaflora out of Olympia, Washington. Um, really, really rad herbal bitters company that does like alcohol and sugar free bitters. Um, she's going to be writing something. Um, yeah, we're looking. We're looking for other people <coughs> to write for our blog. So noted. Yeah. So yeah. Th- and this is all at contrabandferments.com, Yeah. Right. And that's where we find out more information about about you, your CSA, if it if it comes up, um, and things that you're doing. Uh, the the our, our friends in fermentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also workshops. We have a lot of workshops coming up. Um, yeah, I'm talking at the Just Food Conference. Um, Aaron Cram and I are teaching on the human microbiome and fermentation. March 13th at Columbia University at Teachers right College. Yeah, I really want to be at that. Yeah. But I can't. I'll be in Hong Kong. We're pretty excited about it. And then I just got um, bacteria high tops from Vans. What? I designed them myself. What? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. got bacteria high tops? Hell yeah, I did. Oh <laughs> they're, yeah, so they're like going to be made by then. So I was like, I am totally wearing these to the Just Food Conference this year. I'm not sure I understand bacteria high tops. You can design your own high tops on the Vans so you, website. So you got you got a... I drew bacteria. Uh, gotcha, okay. I, like, I looked just, at pictures of bacteria. I drew them. And then yeah. I you didn't put knit in my together design. some algae. No, and then I put it in it my design, and I designed my own like high tops. That's awesome. That can be bacteria wow. high tops. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. 
<laughs> bacteria of the future. Wait, it's, I don't know. Uh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> we already made a bunch of bacteria. It was just time. You get I some s- pumps. Pump that, pump that bacteria up. How do you not follow through with that idea once you have it? <laughs> See, and this is, this is how I get all these things done, Rachel. Is I get so many ideas all the time that I just, you know, just got to get it done. Well... <laughs> Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us on For Men About It on episode 151. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, if people want to find you um, or contact you to maybe write on your blog, what, um, how can they find you? Um, you can just email us at contramanferments at gmail.com or go to our website at www.contramanferments.com. And how can they find you? Um, where do you she, want to be found? She is contramanferments. I think Hodgman's fine. <laughs> keep my, what do you keep mean? my personal right life. They could, come, they could come to Roberta's on episode 511 and see her through the Isn't fermentation your life? <laughs> I I, I, I'm, I'm findable. Don't worry. Before we get out of here, really quick, if there are any uh, homebrewers listening that are in the New York City area, um, I'm running the uh, New York City Northeast Re- Regionals of the National Homebrew Competition, and I can use uh, extra stewards uh, and judges if you're a BJCP judge in order to register for to help us out. Uh, it'll be the second or third week. Weekend. It'll be a, let me just say the dates, uh, March 18th, the weekend of March 18th, that Friday night and that Saturday day, we will be gathering at Single Cut Beersmiths to, to do, uh, to, to do our judging of 750 homebrews. If you've never stewarded for a homebrew competition or you're interested in, in knowing what it's like, we can certainly use your help. You can go to brewingcompetition.com to, uh, sign up and register to participate and help us out. We have a great team uh, and we, 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 certainly love love more of us thank you for listening to episode 151 cheryl you are awesome thank Aww, you so awesome. much you making great things you're both awesome thanks thank for you. joining us rachel you're the best <laughs> jack insley and dave is our new liz we do really you got it perfectly right that was it hey all right yes look forward to working with you dave thanks for everything for men about it listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 non-profit to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening Drive